Game Boys. Hey there, and welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux, and joining me as always, he's gotta go fast. It's Griffin Davis. Yeah, that's typically what I say. Gotta go yeah, fast. You say it. Like, you like, say it all the time. Like when you call, you're like, hey man, uh, something kind of emotional happened to me recently. I'd love to talk about it. I go, gotta go fast. And then I'm like, oh, now I feel better. <laughs> or when you're stuck in LA traffic and you're just punching your driver driving wheel, steering wheel, just going, I gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned driving because uh, apparently uh, our blue hedgehog friend loves to sit in the car. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that is true. One of his uh, favorite things to do, but we'll, we'll get more into that. Lux, who do we got with us today? It's an it's a new season. It's a new year. Who, who's in the who's in the tub? Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in for 100 episodes. We're on 101. It's a new season. And here joining me in the tub, I guess, <laughs> is a returning guest friend of the show. It's Forrest Walker. Welcome back, Forrest. I love to be in the tub. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm starting the Who tub. Doesn't? You know, Lux likes to warn people about things. I'm like, you know what, Lux, we're in a tub now. Yeah, no, I like this new thing where like your end of the call is the is the Game Boys Lounge. My end of the call is the tub. <laughs> it's got, warm and wet here. It's great. It's, it's gross. It's wet. It's nasty. We love it. Imagine an interview show where the guests have to sit in a hot tub, but you're sitting in a chair outside the hot tub holding a microphone in a full suit. Um, that's actually really funny. It will never PWR promo. Um, you, don't, you don't get wet ever. No, I can't or I'll shrivel up and turn into a, a, a little raisin boy. Um, but uh, Forrest, uh, speaking of getting wet, what have you been playing lately? And where have you, what is your gaming journey since we last left off with you? Uh, I have been trying to complete the old Pokedex. That's kind of my own personal gaming journey lately. Uh, they keep updating with with Pokemon content. I'm very happy about the amount of content they're willing to give us. Though I'm confused that now it looks like there's going to be big giant Mewtwo's, but you can't have them. Mm. I, Wait, I, hate, I hate the big Pokemon. <laughs> oh, I love the big Pokemon, but why can't you have them? Uh, in the press release, it says that no one can catch them, no matter what. I guess they don't want to uh, add that into the Pokedex or something. So you can fight them, and you can beat them, and you can get all kinds of wacky drops from them. You can't get them, though. Hmm. Well, that's extremely frustrating, and I hate it. That's very anti-catch-em-all. Um, gotta catch <laughs> most of them. Uh, gotta, <laughs> gotta catch, catch them all the ones for those that we who want permit. it. Can't for those catch who want this it. one. Uh, affordable yeah, catchums for those who want it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pokedex for Pokedex for wanters. It's you know a lot of people talk about catching uh, Dynamax Pokemon. Or my community, we ca we care about uh, catching the Ratatatas and the Pidgeys. <laughs> it's all about the small <laughs> the small business Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, legendaries are really uh, soaking up all the economy. We yeah, got lots of normals down. lots of coastal elites talking about. <laughs> Dynamax, um, when I want to talk about TJ Maxx. <laughs> and Ross dress for less. <laughs> um, well, Griffin, speaking of politics, I voted today. Have you voted yet? Uh, no, I'm voting tomorrow. Uh, the, the, the Democrats tried to slip me the wrong ballot, and so I'm getting a new one. Um, oh, they tried to vote or suppress you, but they, the Game Boys will not be silent. <laughs> they tried to suppress the gamer vote. They know that the gamer vote is what will make or break this election. Um, and uh, if, if, you know... My my ballot's fully filled out, 
every category I wrote in Ace Watkins for every position. Uh, <laughs> so I think he's got a shot. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the one vote's sort of the first step on the march to uh, to the Ace Watkins presidency we all deserve. How were your polls? <laughs> you said they were crow crow. Yeah, it was really crowded today. I got there at 1.30 because we had to, we were planning on recording this at 3 my time. And it took me over an hour and a half to get through the line and vote. Wow, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to vote later today, so that's a chilling portent of things to come. Ooh, well, <laughs> good well, luck. I love a, I love a portent. Uh, you know, the first time that I uh, voted was for uh, Obama in 2012. Um, don't drag me. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was also the day that Halo 3 came out. Um, Or maybe it's the day I bought Halo 3. Either way, I didn't play the game and went through the whole voting before I played it. Whoa. Responsible civicsmanship. Yeah, look look at this politically engaged Griffin we got here. I'm very old. The first time I voted was for Al Gore in 2000. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And and you voted against him, right? (laughs) Uh, Nader, Nader. (laughs) Um, look, man, thank Nader for seatbelts. Uh, Griff, what have you been playing lately? Uh, you know, I've been playing some more WoW Classic, baby. And this time, your big boy 60 and he's raiding. That's right. Uh, I've had a few raiding experiences uh, lately. Uh, I don't really log on enough to be part of the core raid group, so they don't let me into the big ones. Um, but I sneak in there in the side ones. And uh, last night, you know, it's ideally... I'm starting at the perfect time because everyone's been raiding for three months. So no one needs a lot of the gear anymore. So last night I got like four pieces of gear. Uh, like Whoa. I just got like decked out and molten core and it felt good, baby. Like, mm, yeah, that was good. Nice, dude. That's my I entire love- story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, great. I'm glad you got your gear. Um, I, I'm, the this past week has been so busy that I haven't gotten to do what I went to do for the show, which was to play the demo of Pokemon Dungeon Crawler GX, whatever. God damn, there's too many Pokemon. Just yeah, make, well, make de- one good big one. Well, the gen- the demo just came out. I haven't gotten to play it yet, but I'll promise you, listeners, next week I'll have played that demo. Griffin, you should try it too. It's free on the Switch. Um, um, no, because I'm politically again. Sorry, bring it back to politics. I'm politically against this. I I think that I think it's a two party system. I think it's red and blue. I think it's gold <laughs> and silver, and we do not need platinum. We don't need a third version. Okay. There have been third party Pokemon games since God the first generation. <laughs> Yeah, wait. What's your? This is like. I just. That's uh, almost as though you. I think I just it's almost as though you hate Pokemon Snap. So angry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? This is like, would you would you reject Pokemon Snap as being a sort of green party in this? Um, no, Pokemon Snap is uh, is apolitical. Pokemon, we uh, reviewed that because that's a five joystick game for sure. Yeah, we don't even have to. We can just say yeah. it right now. It's a five out of five. Yeah, that's impossible. Let we'll <laughs> us review. I well, think. Yeah. I, I think the. I think mainstream Pokemon games are like politics. Pokemon Snap is uh, is like a religion. It's uncritiquable. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, our Lord Savior Christ. Um, <laughs> Very similar, and as if Christ-like. Yeah, uh, but so, that's, so, uh, the what I have been playing. Sorry, yeah, I mentioned what I have yeah, been yeah, playing. Yeah, what please. I have been playing, aside from Blood Bowl, the playoffs begin this week. I'm in second place. We'll see if I can finally bring home the trophy that I've been trying to bring home the entire time we've been recording this podcast, and I've yet to actually win. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also gotten deeper in Aviary Attorney, and let me tell you, that game, fun as hell. It's easier than Phoenix Wright. It's Ooh. like not... 
It doesn't. It's not quite as demanding puzzle wise, and okay. the world's pretty funny. Nice. And like, there's no like bullshit. Like, oh, it's really confusing how to get through this part. Not so far. So okay. far, everything's been not easy, but pretty solvable. Um, and it's fun because like there are. It's a little darker than Phoenix Wright in certain ways. Like the first mission, you do it and you win. Mm-hmm. And then your client is like, thanks, I did murder that guy, but I'm <laughs> glad you got me off. And you're just like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yes. Um, and so awesome. like it has it has a real fun tone. And like your assistant's like a dumb idiot, like criminal kind of guy. And there's like, it's a lot more goofy. I mean, Phoenix Wright's very goofy in its way. But Aviary Attorney, if you like Phoenix Wright, but you're looking for something a little more jokey and a little more weird then I think Aviary Attorney is a great game to, we, to we take need, a look at. We need more lawyer drama shows where they they do it the wrong way. Like they, they <laughs> win, but they it's bad. Yeah, it's awesome because you like make this really compelling case and it's done in such a way that even you, the player, are like, oh, nice. I saved this innocent cat. And then it's like, just kidding. I killed the frog. And you're like, what? I'm just trying oh, to think like no. in like Law and Order and stuff like that, like in those shows, do they ever like free the murderer there was that one episode with kyle mclaughlin where they like te- where they like testify that the child who did the murder was crazy and so he shouldn't go to jail and he should go to therapy and then kyle mclaughlin shoots the kid and is like he would have <laughs> killed again <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm watching that after this uh yeah, there's a lot of rest for you mostly problematic and shitty a couple of those episodes unbelievable gems okay well we'll we'll keep a lookout for those gems on gem watch uh yeah, but maybe now, we'll do a gem watch episode season two. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the meat of this episode gentlemen we all saw a flick it's called sonic the hedgehog or is it just called sonic i think it's called sonic the hedgehog sonic the hedgehog yeah i think so okay now forrest did not confirm that he's seen it uh, he stared straight ahead uh, he almost a trans. Yard situation. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think about whether you can call Sonic Sonic or Sonic the Hedgehog in a more general sense, and if he would object to one or the other. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Um, I Sonic, think in a business yeah. setting, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Oh, and then yeah, and then it's like, oh, you're on a first name basis with Sonic, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. the Hedgehog. So just call me Sonic. Mr. the Hedgehog is my father. He lives in Florida. <laughs> Not in Green Hills, Oregon. But uh, wow, yes, that is where that was, I believe. Um, so there's a Montana. Yeah, Montana. Even better. Good. This is you know, it's the 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 forgotten people, you know. Yeah. But Forest. <laughs> yeah. What big takeaways before we dive into this thing? How did you feel about this blue video game hedgehog movie? Uh. I wish that we had seen the nastier version of Sonic the Hedgehog because 100%. it would have made the movie experience much weirder. I think I think it would have tied everything together a little <laughs> bit more. Well, I think the so there's a rare phenomenon that happens in some movies. Silver Bullet is a decent example of this, where it's a generally pretty good movie or like an okay movie centered around a thing that objectively sucks. <laughs> like the werewolf and silver bullet looks like shit. And so it's like the rest of the movie is like fine. And then you see this werewolf and it sucks. 
uh, I would have really enjoyed if the Sonic movie was like a totally functional kids movie with just a garbage creature at the center of it for the entire time. Oh my god, it, this it would have w- made the rest of the movie seem better in comparison. I agree. Yeah, this oh, werewolf, the werewolf does suck. I'm looking yeah, at this it's a, werewolf. It's a bad werewolf. This little werewolf is bad. But that's what I mean. Like the rest <laughs> of the like movie is like pretty. <laughs> like the the rest of the movie is like pretty okay. And same with Sonic. Like the movie is like a totally functional kids movie. Okay. But like it's not an iconic mess because it doesn't have that one horrible problem and they could have had this like iconic disaster on their hands yes i think it's like it could have been a movie that i remembered forever and showed my kids but instead it will be uh forgotten to the sands of time yeah i have discovered i have some philosophical disagreements with the sonic the hedgehog movie the more i've ruminated upon it that's interesting uh and maybe maybe give us a log line and we can kind of expound on those as we explore the plot of this film Uh, the log line is that uh this movie has no excuse for existing. I mean, <laughs> but like, you could you? I mean, I feel it's like you can say that a lot. Here's two. <laughs> yeah, it's true of most things. And the other, the other thing I see online a lot is people on Twitter being like, "Who asked for this?" And I'm like, that's not how movies get made. There's not like a bunch of people like asking for something, and then they're like, "What are they asking for today?" Like. No one's asking for movies. Well, you, everyone's shooting their shot, and some people enjoys things. My, right? My, 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 right, but my objection isn't even just a, like, this property didn't really need a, a movie made of it, which it kind of didn't. I feel like, in a general sense, that the Sonic... The, the kind of stories Sonic the Hedgehog tells aren't stories, generally speaking. But this this yeah. movie itself is it's like an episode zero at best. There's mm-hmm. still a bunch of distance to cross between the end of this movie and the beginning of like any Sonic story that we've I, been used to previously. Hundred percent agree. Uh, it's it's like um there's no story to most of the Sonic games, and the ones that do have story are batshit. So there's yeah. no way to like to, to like pull from those. Um, but like this, I mean, the Lego movie, that's just toys, Legos, whatever. But they had to do the work and build a whole world and build an ensemble of characters. And like this movie feels the need to do almost none of that. Uh, like it's just Sonic. You like never get to see Tails until a spoiler alert after the credits. Like they don't they don't try to bring in any of the other characters or try to build a, a larger universe that you could see like, oh, this is how movie two and three look go it's so bare bones and sort of unimaginative with the the franchise uh that it's like yeah this movie has done almost no work i'm like waiting for sonic movie one to start now (laughs) well yeah the thing about it is that it does like a compelling bit of world building in the first two minutes yes okay let's just go into it that it immediately just punts out the fucking window (laughs) which brings me to a scene from a video game right at the start of the movie which brings me to my why don't we start breaking down the plot because a lot of my complaints are tied to specific plot the first two minutes I was I was fully in I was like this (laughs) might be the disaster I've been looking for um Okay, so Sonic, an extraterrestrial blue hedgehog. Now, is that a video game canon thing that he's from space? I don't... He ain't from Earth in most of the games. He's, he's, from, not, he's, he's not from Earth. Uh, you're a better lore master on this, Forrest. Where is he supposed to be from? Mo- the Sonic games mostly happen in a place called Mobius, which is mm. probably a planet, maybe just kind of a zone. Okay. Uh, the loriest Sonic games are probably the adventure games, which yes. I believe also take place on Mobius, but they also include human cities and settlements in a yes, Sonic Adventure type way. Sonic Adventure Battle 2 very much takes you to San Francisco, uh, iconically. 
Um, okay, so uh, extraterrestrial blue hedgehog who runs at supersonic speeds finds himself sought after by a tribe of knuckles. <laughs> yeah, yes, that was weird. <laughs> so we don't, so knuckles. He's a character in the games. He's an echidna. Th- this fits in with lore weirdly enough. Of all the things in this whole movie, this part fits in with lore the most because the the, the lore is that the echidna people tribe group whatever they are. Uh, have some kind of weird connection with the emeralds and they're like an ancient civilization that sure. used to run everything and they any have of, a lot of strong any feelings. Any of that could have been cool to learn about. Any of that would have been information better than uh, the car trip, road trip movie <laughs> that I watched. Yeah, um, in, in an owl sense, Sonic. <laughs> so, okay. So Sonic is lonely and alone on this island. Uh, all, all he does is run around on iconic little Sonic little loops um, and he's just like kind of all by himself. We don't really he's know like why. He's like a happy little baby. He's like a happy yeah. little baby. Because like he, has, he has his friend Longclaw, the giant owl, who only exists for this movie for 45 <laughs> so seconds. Then we introduce Longclaw the owl. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're, they're, they're going, like I mentioned earlier, like the Lego movie route. They're really trying to add a world and like expand. And I'm like, a new character. 30 seconds after Longclaw is introduced, <laughs> Longclaw is murdered. <laughs> and they have the audacity, the fucking sack on these people to, to fucking be, have Sonic be like, that's my Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's like, <laughs> Obi-Wan is a character with whom we spend an hour and a half who does like multiple heroic things and teaches a bunch of lessons. And Longclaw just gets a flower, gives Sonic a bag, and then gets killed. Imagine it. Imagine, imagine the same scene in Bambi. We open on the parents. <laughs> Bam. Like it's, yeah. like, it's like, that's how quick it happened. Or imagine if that was Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, yeah. Luke meets Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's like, here's a lightsaber. Bye. And then, and then and gets, gets stabbed. Shot. And we, yeah, they had it's... to send Sonic to the Scott Summers movie right away. It was, it's time to leave this movie, which might have been interesting, and immediately segue into this other old movie. Yes, uh, very strange. So um, basically, uh, this tribe of Knuckles that all wear masks, we don't even get to see Knuckles' face, um, they, 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 att- they try to get Sonic and steal his power, um, right? Oh, okay, here. We want to capture him basically because of his power for some reason. It's like how everyone in in X-Men movies hates the X-Men for reasons which are never exactly explained. Yes. Um, So now I think also during this time, isn't he like viewing humans from afar? Not until until he gets to Earth. Okay, so he's not at Earth yet. Sorry. Uh, So Longclaw is murdered. Uh, and then she gives, and as she's dying, like uh, this bag of rings that can create portals to other planets, uh, and he uses one of the rings to send him to Earth. Now, is this a, is this a Sonic canon thing that you, you portal through the rings? I mean, in, in many of Sonic games, you'll find a giant ring that sends you to a special stage. So okay. I, it's kind so of like that, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 still working within the framework. We got to give them points when they can. Yeah, they kind of uh, like. Well, that's the thing. Uh, we'll we'll talk about this more. But like, there are certain ways in which this movie seems really attentive to Sonic-y stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are other ways in which this movie seems to give exactly zero shits about the baseline property. Yeah, it's it's like the people know a lot about Sonic, but are given the one overarching directive of we are going to make a bland and formless, but like well-executed movie. It's almost had- as though there were two, there's like a person on the set who knew Sonic really well. And their goal was to be like, was someone told them like, 
you're not allowed to use any of your sonic knowledge <laughs> and they just had to like sneak it in in weird obtuse ways throughout the movie well like largely what happens with a lot of these like video game projects and other things that are based on like nerd stuff is that like there's like the lower level people who like know the material and appreciate it and then like the higher up people who sign the checks are like what's a sonic like so like it like it, it kind of like congeals together into like 50% like knowledge and like love for the thing and 50% like just weird studio notes. Uh, and that's yeah. like kind of what this movie feels like a lot. So anyways, he gets teleported to Earth and now on Earth, he enjoys a secret life near the town of Green Hills, Montana, but longs to make friends. He idolizes the local sheriff, Tom Wachowski. <laughs> so Sonic's number one friend is a cop. He loves the yeah. cop. Uh, not a great start for Earth. Uh, and his veterinarian wife, Maddie, unaware the pair are planning to relocate to San Francisco soon as Tom has been hired by the San Francisco Police Department. Now, it's notable that Sonic knows Tom as Donut Lord. Yes. And his wife, uh, Maddie, as Pretzel Lady because she does yoga. And Tom's Donut Lord because he yells at donuts. Yeah, this is... I have all right. I have thoughts about this. This kept sticking in my craw the whole movie. <laughs> he clearly knows what a sheriff and a veterinarian are. He's, he knows what Obi Wan is. <laughs> he's fully yeah. familiar with these concepts. He's just choosing to be difficult because Sonic is an asshole. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's like he knows famous actors and uh and like characters from things. Like he knows stuff. Uh, in, like, in, in fairness to Sonic, maybe the narration is once he's learned more about Earth and he's now telling us his story uh, is, a, is a possible way for him to allow that reference. But I will say a lot of the a lot of the things like Donut Lord did remind me of like the way that like Trump creates a nickname for someone <laughs> like Mini <laughs> yeah. Mike. Yeah, Mini, Mini <laughs> and Mike, it's like, Donut I'm like, Lord I'm like, Bloomberg. Trump kind of has a Sonic like brain. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. You gotta go fast. Yeah, he does have of, to. He does have to go fast. <laughs> uh, so now he's kind of watching. He's kind of cucking uh, a little bit, like the relationship between Tom and his wife. And then one night, Sonic becomes upset over his loneliness when playing baseball by himself and runs at supersonic speed. As a result, inadvertently triggering an electromagnetic pulse that knocks out power across the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, well, which is just like, this is like a small nitpick, but like the fucking government being like, powers out in the Pacific Northwest is such a <laughs> bullshit ass line. Like, there are specific places and, like, coordinates and stuff. The Pacific Northwest, no one can even agree. I don't even know if people generally agree that Montana's in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, are we to, we're maybe to believe that he knocked out all the power across, like, Western Montana, Oregon, Washington, right, Northern but California. Is Montana even Pacific? Because it's landlocked, isn't it? It's right next to, yes, but it's right next to, well, it's right next to Idaho. So you got to go through Idaho. It's a big zone. Like if he knocked out all the power. In it's like, a big zone. There's not yeah. a lot of quests, but it's a big fucking zone. <laughs> yeah. It's a beefy one. It's like, it's just like, it, this movie is, I, I liked, and it has moments. Like I kind of liked Sonic playing baseball with himself. Like that was like a fun little bit and a fun mm -hmm. little use of his power. Yes. But then it becomes like this dumb fucking like just like oh inciting incident blurp. So like, yes. So the pulse kind of blows everything out which I kind of like. Um, and then this is where the movie kind of ended for me. Uh, <laughs> ro roboticist and scientific genius Dr. Robotnik is enlisted by the United States Department of Defense to uncover the source of the outage. Jim Carrey guys it's it's kind of like, um, like 
the mask, but like if the mask was just like in a green screen room and like didn't know what the movie was at all. I don't know. It was really tough to watch. It kind of reminds me of Nicolas Cage in the sense that like when you watch a Nick Cage movie, it's very clear that Nick Cage is making choices independent of everything else around him. Yes. Um, And he even will talk about that. But the thing is that in many cases, Nick Cage is very smart and good about doing that. A lot of times they're totally insane. But a lot of times, like, he's a really good actor because he's able to do that and make these, like, kind of smart, motivated choices. Right. Jim Carrey's just making all these choices that just feel like totally bullshit bananas. This is one of the many parts of this movie that struck me as archaic. Like, this feels like a movie from the mid-90s or something where no For care sure. is given to adapting it properly. They just want to put a big name into it. They just want to stick yes. Jim Carrey in there let him loose and just see what happens and he does a lot of like just very one-linery jokes uh most of which didn't land very well because that wasn't this kind of a movie when jim carrey wasn't there and i'm trying to think like you know jim carrey doesn't do a lot of movies anymore so like what made him want to do this one because it couldn't have been the script because he didn't say any of the lines from the script Maybe he just thinks Robotnik is cool. Maybe he likes Sonic games. He loves to play Sonic on his Genesis. Maybe he's a gamer. You know, this is the first time I was ever like, I wish Jim Carrey was painting. (laughs) Yeah, why does he paint? Why does he make more paintings of buses getting blown up by missiles and make fewer movies where he dances and pretends his head gets cut off? I'll just like just make just paint some Sonic hentai. I don't know. Uh, So. We all have a similar opinion on that. Uh, Robotnik uh, discovers and tracks Sonic, who hides in the Wachowski's shed. Uh, Tom discovers Sonic and accidentally shoots him with a tranquilizer, causing him to send his bag of teleporting rings through a portal to San Francisco. That was a little ham-fisted of a plot. That was such a Rube Goldberg-ass scene. (laughs) That was was crazy. He, like, sees San Francisco as he's throwing the ring, which makes him think of it, which makes the ring open up to San Francisco. And then, because he's been tranquilized, he falls down and drops his coins, which then roll into the portal and go into it before he can get in, and then it closes. You can really see the, the, the backtracking from how do we get rid of this bag of rings that we've invented. Like, yeah. we have to get rid of this so the movie can keep going. Yeah. So what do we do, guys? Uh, oh, Sonic is just also slightly clumsy. It's also like, this. one of the things this movie, and this is one of my problems with, this is like one of my big complaints movies generally, is like, I don't like when you can see the strings, right? Like, movies are all held together by like... You're kind of, an, of, you're kind of an Ultron in that way. Yeah, I'm kind of an Ultron in that way. Really, I in just, a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm a robot, <laughs> I'm played by James Spader, and all I want to do is wipe out humanity. Yeah, why, is um, it more, why aren't people, more people listening to this podcast? We got James Spader here. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Super weird. Anyways, um... Never retweets it. He, but, uh, the thing is, like, it, in movies, things happen for reasons to put the plot forward, but they're, like, disguised as, like, dramatic or, like, character driven choices and then it like sort of serves multiple purposes not so in this movie in this movie (laughs) things happen clearly just to move the plot forward with no real other reason (laughs) and it's very transparent and annoying oh uh, that that happens oh sorry can i jump into an example of this to back you up please that happens a little bit farther on the part where he's like i could run to san francisco in two seconds and then he tries to do so but he doesn't know where san francisco is so instead they have to drive for two days or whatever devastating devastating yeah. devastating to even engage with that conflict <laughs> like like don't just don't bring it up like if there's a plot hole like that it's a fucking kids movie we're not going to ask that question why even ask that question yeah i mean just, just like he could just say he could just say like 
why don't you run to San Francisco? And he's just like, because uh, I'm a blue alien. And like someone will try to catch me. And it's like, okay, that makes sense that you need to like travel covert. Problem solved. Maybe that he just doesn't know where San Francisco is and couldn't figure it See, out in like yeah. 10 seconds with his super speed. I'm just like. Is fucking bonked out. Yeah. I just. Uh, Lux, maybe our scripts are too good and that's why they're not getting made. <laughs> maybe. That's what people love to tell me. They make too much sense. We need to add more plot holes and stuff. Yeah, if you don't make your viewer angry, they're not going to stick around. That's yeah, true. That's Most true. Most people love movies that make them so mad. Hey, honestly, th that's the culture we've we've created, you know? Uh, that's the only thing's outrage. We, we just have to write know? our we have to write our last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then they sort of decide to uh, embark, but as the pair uh, the pair like they oh, they escape Robotnik. Um, and then uh, Robotnik labels Tom a domestic terrorist. Uh, so they're going on a chase. It's a road trip to San Francisco. Along the way, Robotnik comes across one of Sonic's quills, discovering the power in it has the potential to fuel his robots. Becomes... Oh, wait, we skipped one notable thing. Oh, what did we miss? Which is that on the road, there's like a chase scene where where he sends a bunch of his robots after them. Nested mm -hmm. robots. And that was one of my favorite bits, actually, was that like mm -hmm. each robot contained a smaller robot inside of it. Yeah. And every time they messed up a robot, another robot would come out until there were progressively smaller and smaller robots. And, like, that's the kind of, like, wacky video game shit that this whole movie should have been. Yes. Like, that's the kind of, like, inexplicable video game nonsense that, like, is the whole reason you make this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that was so fun. It's, like, it's a tank, and the tank blows up, and then it's, like, this, like, tripod motorcycle thing, and then that blows up, and it's, like, a flying guy, and then that blows up, and it's, like, a smaller flying guy. And right. then that blows up and it's like a bomb. Yeah, and like all like that 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 little silly set piece was so fun, but then it's like just like smashed in between these like road trip scenes with James Marsden, who is like very very handsome, incredible actor, but like just like his look, the vibe of the scene and the dialogue, I felt like I was watching like a a really expensive like Christian film. <laughs> yeah, also like how zero contrast it all is. Yeah, it's all zero contrast. And it just felt like I was like, someone got a lot of money to make the biggest movie about God ever. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it just feels that way. Like just the, in the performances and stuff, like also, it feels so religious. Yeah, so some of my memory is fucked up with this movie because early, like a couple days before it, for our bad movie night, Forrest and I and our friends watched a movie called Nailed, in which James Marsden plays a different shitty, stupid policeman who notably talks a lot about like, uh, like the female orgasm and his inability to actually experience it as like a viewer, which is to say his wife's always, or his fiance is always complaining about how she's never had an orgasm, and he's like, that's normal. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I kept getting his character in this movie and his character in that movie confused because they're like basically the same. So I keep having memories of him saying like, only 30% of women have orgasms during intercourse and being like, why did he say that to Sonic? <laughs> like, what, ha what was going on? And they're like, oh, different movie. The, the, the weird and explicable thing in this movie is that we all got to see uh, the thing we were all been waiting for, which is what if Sonic went to a kicker bar? Oh, yeah. So that's one of those stops on the road trip is like this biker bar. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, where they do like that's not set... what I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, they do a set piece that's like <laughs> kind of fun, but could have been just as fun, but with robot. And they do it later with robot. Um, and like it also doesn't even it's not like internally coherent. Like friend of the show Sam Brown was on the Wisecrack show Good Bad Brilliant recently to talk about Sonic, and he pointed out like he takes a selfie, and like taking a selfie takes time. Like yeah. a lot of the things around the like it's one of those scenes like the Quicksilver scene in X Men, 
where he's running so fast and everything else is basically still. But he stops to take a selfie and like that takes like four seconds to do. And so like everything else in the room would have moved so much in that time. But it's like, no, time has just stopped until Sonic decides it starts again. And it's totally arbitrary. And it's like, it's fun because there are rules. Like superpowers are fun because they have rules. This is an ongoing problem for me, actually, because they couldn't decide whether he could like run at 300 miles an hour or whether he could stop time entirely and run around like Dio and JoJo's or something. <laughs> like I was waiting for him to move everyone around as he goes at like nearly infinite speed then everyone just explode into a shower of gore as they've been torn apart by his horrible momentum. Yeah, now that now that you guys are mentioning all this and the rules of it, um, I too play by the rules. Uh, and this movie now, there's a far superior film called Clockstoppers that was made Holy by Nickelodeon. Shit. <laughs> and which is essentially what a good Sonic movie would be because it focuses on the relationships of the core ensemble and the rules of Clockstoppers are very simple. Uh, you go fast and you don't want to hit it twice or whatever. Uh, and then someone does and saves the day. Uh, and I feel like similar rules and just structure and conflicts, I think, could have been easily well, copy pasted into this film. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, right? Like what I said is superpowers are fun when there are rules because then there are limits. And when there are limits, they have to come up with like, creative solutions to overcome yes. those limitations. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it fun. In this movie, what happens is just anytime the rules need to be different for Sonic to win, the rules become different. And yeah. sometimes they're different from themselves at the same time. Yes. Like, there is a, like, there's a part where he's getting confronted by Dr. Robotnik, and he does the time stop thing, where he can, like, punch everything out of the air. But Robotnik is, like, three feet away. Why couldn't he just <laughs> jump over there and use his hyperspeed to, like, do to, like, something do a blow, anything? Do a blow him up. Yeah, yeah. put a missile in his brain, blow and, him up. And and my big takeaway is I think we need to slow Sonic down. I think he was too fast in this movie to the point where you're never going to write an interesting conflict. Uh, yeah. Like, things, you know, like, you gotta, he should be fast, but, like, you know, he should oh, we feel should see the that need. When he go, we should see that like when he goes to like mega hyperspeed, maybe he yeah. can do that, but like it causes problems. Well, that, that, yeah. that's not what he was like in the video games. In the video games, his speed was all about going forward very quickly. It was about motion, right? And in this movie, his speed is sometimes used for him to be able to like run around and jump up and down and stuff at a great rate of speed, like vis-a-vis uh -huh. -vis Quicksilver or something. That's that's a good point. We should have they should have done the the, the mechanics a little bit clearer because and when I play Sonic, I am not going fast very often. I am hitting walls and awkwardly banging off them and then, and right. then barely running. And That's like a really good point. Like two steps at a time. That like Sonic builds speed. That like Yes. That yes, like momentum. Yeah. He, he can build like almost infinite momentum in the game but like you have yes. to not hit anything and you have to like not stop. Yes. Um, he can't just go from like zero to a million. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it just like it, the fact that there's no, no rules in these powers just makes it so Hard to get invested in the drama of the movie because every time there's a problem, you're just like, well, I'm just going to make up something new. Yes. So Robotnik is into Sonic's hair. He wants to use <laughs> Sonic's hair to make more robots. And sometimes he does some dances and some jigs uh, on on his car in, in his van, I guess. that He's, he's on a road trip, too. Um, I, I think I would have liked, uh, if this is, if this were to be a road trip movie, I would have liked, um, the villain to get into more silly scenarios. Um, typically in road trip movies, uh, the villains that are hot on the tail, they encounter characters the heroes have encountered and have a different experience. Um, I think that would have been a fun thing. Just anything, just like if you're going to do a road trip movie. 
Like, he doesn't encounter anyone. Like, well, he does go to the bar. He just goes to the bar and is like, ah, this is every interaction Jim Carrey has with everyone in the movie. Is he shows yeah. up and he's like, ah, you think you're cool and tough, but actually I have robots and you're stupid. And here's some Jim Carrey stuff. Bye. Did he go to the bar? Fuck, I fell asleep. Yeah, he does. He goes to the bar and then just like <laughs> talks shit to the guy and then has his robots throw him out the same window that Sonic threw him out of. And it's just like, okay, so that's a good one. That's a good example. Because then. It's not though, because it's it, it would be if he didn't have the same interaction every time. It's the, and yeah. it's the only interaction he ever has with anybody and he barely interacts with anybody it feels like they couldn't get jim carrey like onto soundstage very often or something so they mostly just let him be in that like truck set and yes yes it very much felt like he hopped in a truck for like two days yeah it felt like the guy who played agent stone was the only person who could tolerate being around jim carrey (laughs) and that's how he got the role like he was like a pa who just like could tolerate jim carrey and they were like you know what fuck it like he needs someone to talk to and you can put up with it so get in the movie everyone else just got annoyed (laughs) yeah and they kept leaving his coffee at the door and so taking it to him and shit and like this is the one guy and they were like you know what you're you're in the movie now props to that guy for the hustle and by the way the 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 what I thought was the only particularly funny Jim Carrey bit was where the guy asked him if he wanted a, like a goat milk coffee or whatever. And he's like, you know, I love your coffee. Yes, that that was good, weird Jim Carrey energy, although it didn't feel of a piece with the character at all. Um, So we're, we were, we're, we're we got to we got to pick up here because there's a few more events we got to talk about before we're, we're done with this movie. Oh boy. So basically to, to kind of fast forward through a few things, um, Tom and so- Sonic get into an argument over Tom's plans to leave Green Hills, which Sonic disapproves of. So forced. It's such a forced conflict. I was just like, you guys barely know each other. I don't know why this matters. Honestly, moving to San Francisco sounds a lot better than living in Montana. (laughs) It just was weird as shit. And Um, and Tom's arguments are indeed very good points that Sonic dismisses out of some kind of weird small town jingoism that pervades this movie. (laughs) Yes, uh, it is strange. Um, uh, And then a robot uh, comes and explodes and injures Sonic. Uh, so Sonic is hurt, and then they bring him, uh, Tom brings him to his wife, who revives him. Uh, they give a new pair of shoes to Sonic. Oh, well, this they... is actually one of the better parts, is where they meet up with his sister-in-law, who, like, thinks that Maddie should just divorce Tom. Yeah. And, like, in front of Tom will be like, you gotta divorce this guy. And yeah, they eventually just like, end up... a hot cop. Like, in no world is, like, is someone being... Like, what is the pretense of that again? Why is he such a terrible husband? She just hates him. She just him. hates him because of in-laws. That's her character trait, is that she hates him. Yeah, and so, like, they, like... She hasses him a bunch. They eventually tie her up with, like, electrical cords and leave her on a, this chair. And her daughter is there, and her daughter is fine with the fact that her mom is kidnapped now. And then her daughter gives Sonic some extra shoes, so Sonic gets his, like, iconic red shoes. But it's, like, the whole sequence is, like, that's going to go some of the funniest shit is, like, the daughter running around the house and the kidnapped step, uh, or kidnapped in-law being, like, at least wear my Fitbit so I can get my steps in. And, like, stuff like that at least is, like, kind of fun and, like, is a fun attitude for the movie to have. But, like... Yes. Uh, I... I... I'm going to take your word for it because I decided halfway through the movie to fall soundly asleep. (laughs) (laughs) So... Which is what I'm realizing now as I'm reading the plot of this movie. <laughs> like, so, I don't remember this happening. I was, oh, I guess I was taking a nap. So that all happens. Great. Uh, now they've recovered. They've reunited. They've had their dark night of the soul, I guess. Uh, so they get they get the bag of rings. Robotnik arrives. And it's like the big action sequence, right? In the city. Yeah. And this is where a couple of the details of like people who made this movie remember Sonic stuff come up. 
Mm-hmm. One is that Sonic starts calling him Eggman at this point. Yes. Which is a nice shout out to the Japanese translation. Yeah. Where the, his... the, and the excuse they buy is that all his uh, all his little robots look like eggs, which fair enough. They do indeed look like eggs. Yeah. And that's like clearly a design choice to get them to this joke. So like, that's kind of good. That's something that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, he does the classic like Sonic looking at his wrist and tapping his feet when he's not moving thing. Um, and he does another like speed him up, slow him down, where like he stops time and runs along a bunch of exploding missiles. So the stopping time stuff, I'm not as thrilled with. But yes, this is like, oh, this is like a fun sequence that they definitely in, uh, came up with before they wrote the middle of the movie. Uh, so that all happens. Uh, and then there's like a chase where Sonic's throwing the rings and they're going through like the seven wonders of yeah. the world and other like important locations Heritage sites are destroyed yeah by like blowing up the sphinx and like running along the great wall of china when will there be uh a, a, an action sequence where someone fixes the sphinx where everyone stops and they fix it and then they continue or it's like the like you blow up a tank and a piece of tank flies off and it's like a perfect nose. It's the nose. And yeah. The, the only the only War series I can good. think of. It's gotta be it's gotta be Fast and Furious, right? Like by like twelve or something. Oh yeah, totally. This. Like oh, there's a car crash and like Dom's car like flies up and just fits perfectly on the nose. <laughs> and then he he gets out of it completely unharmed, stands on top of it and goes. I guess as a new member of the family, <laughs> he just pours a Corona down the Sphinx's mouth. Yeah, which now, now it has to be uh, uh, now it has to be a uh, Pacifico because of the virus. Yeah, now this virus is getting so bad that I feel bad about all my jokes about how it just turns you into Vin Diesel. But too late, I made them and they're on the record. If I was a Corona executive, I would release. Uh, I would fearmonger about some kind of like Michelob Ultravirus just to really throw the scent <laughs> off. An ultravirus. <laughs> yeah. Think and about that. Yeah. yeah, think about that. <laughs> stop uh, and think about that. Before you reply to me, stop and think about that. Okay. Yeah, so Sonic so, eventually uses the rings during this chase to yes. bring himself and... Robotnik back to Green Hills, where he's also teleported Tom and Maddie to for some reason. Yeah. And they explain why he can't just run away from Robotnik by Robotnik has his quill, which makes Robotnik flying machine also very fast time stop it, it makes It makes a Robotnik flying machine 99.8% <laughs> as fast as Sonic. Not quite fast enough to catch him, but, but fast enough to always him. be pretty close. <laughs> So that's why he can't go through a ring and then let the ring close up so he can't get back to him because he's too close behind him. Um, and then he finally gets missiled. <laughs> yes. So, well, uh, w- yeah, what happens with the missile again? So they run through the, th- the thing and he shoot like Robotnik shoots a missile through a ring as he pulls through it and it blows up in Green Hills. Yeah. And like launches Sonic, th- or no, blows up behind Sonic and launches Sonic through the portal into Green Hills. Yeah, a bunch of pyramid lands in Montana. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of pyramid lands in Montana. And then he flies through the portal. And then Sonic's just like out. And then Robotnik gives his big speech about how he's going to get him and like turn him into a thing. And then Tom is like, actually, that's my friend. And then Sonic is like, he said friend. Oh, <laughs> this is important. We totally left it out. Uh, Sonic makes a bucket list. And most of the things in the bucket list are like very vague. They're like ride an animal and like try sports out for once. <laughs> um and then one that's left left uncrossed out of the end is like make a real friend. And so then when Tom says that they're friends, Sonic 
burst into superpower mode and fucking absolutely beats the shit out of Robotnik with hyperspeed and the power of friendship. Which yeah, Friendship uh, is lightning elemental. We know this now. Yeah, well, I guess I know, that's... A- no, we know friendship is power. Like, I'm not arguing with that. I'm just arguing with the idea that James Marsden wasn't being a friend this whole movie. Yeah, so, what, like, yeah it's wild what, that when after was James Marsden like, I'm just dealing with you to deal with you. Like, I don't like being around you. I'm putting up with you. For like five minutes at the beginning and like one second after their Fight. Because this movie and Sonic agree that the definition of friendship is submission to Sonic's wishes. <laughs> yeah, friendship is someone who listens to you and gives you a high five. It does whatever you want, changes <laughs> their life decisions based on your needs. <laughs> I think that is great. So they send <laughs> Robotnik off to the evil mushroom zone. Yeah, that's why we've been threatened with mushrooms the whole time. They're like, if things go wrong, Sonic, you got to go to mushrooms forever. They're literally just like, is that, a, is just, is that just like a Mario smack talk right there no there's a in sonic and knuckles the first level is mushroom hill zone this is a, this is a particular reference yeah but like are they just referencing a bad level one zone or are they saying that mario and his whole thing sucks and they made a better movie i think it's both i think it's both because it's like yeah there's mushroom levels in all sorts of places but like is that mushroom level in Sonic known as being a bad place? No, it's just no and it looks pretty one. different than the one in the game. Like in Sonic, in the Sonic game, it's like basically Green Hill Zone, but there are some mushrooms there. Yeah, yeah it's, the like a, it's like a it's like a forest with mushrooms in it, and it's not mm-hmm. like a planet made entirely of mushrooms, which is what we see with uh with the place he ends up sending Robotnik to. Yeah, um, and then the end is just like everyone is happy. Sonic is there. Every, he yeah. ends up moving in with Maddie and Tom, and like becoming their weird blue teen son. Yes, and the like government a- is powerless to do anything about it. Yeah, the government for some reason decides to erase all evidence of the events, including records of Robotnik's existence. It's like, oh yeah, we <laughs> we we don't remember Jim Carrey either. Like, yeah, like we're blocking pathetic. it out. Yeah, but they're pathetically hoping that, like, maybe this small town sheriff will let them get at that hedgehog they want. Their yeah. boundaries are extremely weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like, oh, well, that's, uh, you know, private property, rights, freedoms, <laughs> individual liberties. <laughs> also, they after branding this guy a domestic terrorist, he's now, it's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> like most domestic terrorists, they're not prosecuted. <laughs> they're like, well, he's white. Uh, they're like, oops, we are wrong. Uh, and then they, oh yeah, they, the, there was the, uh, the the most puzzling part of this movie was the Olive Garden standing that happened repeatedly. The government gives him an Olive Garden gift card, and this is both like a joke about how pathetic that is, but also they seem to legitimately love yeah, the Olive it's Garden. The only, it's the only app that Tom has on his phone that it didn't come with is the Olive Garden app. Um, and, you know, that's not all either. Isn't there a big Zillow reference in this movie? Yes, there is a big Zillow <laughs> reference. Uh, it seems like uh, they were really counting on this movie to not make any of its money back, so they were trying to fill it with ads. But luckily, it somehow was stomachable enough that people it made money. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, well, that's and that's the real story. I think is uh, did it make money, and is that good for games, you know, game movies? I mean, it definitely proved that more will get made, right? Yeah, you can make more game movies, and this was viable in that respect. But also, this just seemed like such a lazy bones version of game movie that I'm a little bit leery to be like, this is the future. Yeah, it really feels like they just had a script for a generic road movie sitting around and they're like, yeah, I guess we can bookend that with Sonic and Tails and then just put Sonic in the passenger seat. See, here's what I would have known with this movie. It would have started on Earth with Sonic as a baby alone. And the story is Sonic doesn't know where he came from. 
and he wants to figure out how where he came from and how to get home. And he has these rings, doesn't know what they do. And eventually he and James Marsden team up because the government's chasing him and like that can be the kind of the same. And then he eventually figures out how to get home. And then sort of the, the final act of the movie is like him on his old on his old home. He meets Longclaw again. We're there. We're fighting Knuckles is Robotnik shows up. And then he has to like make this choice about whether to go back to Earth with James Marsden or stay. And he goes back to Earth with James Marsden. And then we get to like live and play in like fun Sonic world rather than putting it because it's it's fun when like you have five minutes in weird fantasy world to look forward to and you get to that in the movie. Yeah. And it's like an exciting reward. It sucks ass when they give you that at the beginning and then are just like, <laughs> never <laughs> again. Oh, what's really psycho about this is that they don't need the, the Sonic world includes both people in cities and also like weird magic ruins right like in the sonic lore there is a commission named gun by the way it's some kind of a government agency that is like built to deal with terrorism and robotnikism because robotnik is some sort of weird maniac who's making a like non-populated military state full of robots who is a problem like there's a bunch of weird wacky stuff that you can build a movie that has james marsden and robotnik in it around and yes. don't need to like invent this entire new and honestly pointless lore to do yeah I think uh, I think my version of the movie is like Sonic, yeah, is like growing up and is like in danger and is saved by Dr. Robotnik and sort of raised by Dr. Robotnik. Then they split off and then it's kind of a decision like, is he going to be raised by this bad daddy of Robotnik or <laughs> this good daddy in Marsden? And like the moral center of Sonic is challenged to like decide which daddy to pick. Yeah, like That's a fun idea for me. Like there's so many fun ways they've done this movie and that's and none of them are the one that, they did. That's <laughs> a version of the lore too. There's a version of Sonic lore where he was raised by Ovi Kintobor who was a kindly scientist who got turned evil by the chaos of emerald energy and became dr ivo robotnik mm -hmm. yeah. there's all anything any weird idea you can have is already in the lore the only things that aren't in the lore somewhere are these boring ideas they went with <laughs> yes yeah and uh that's how we're gonna cap this one off i think we are happy the movie made money i think we are nervous uh about the direction but you know i think all good movies that come out um are built on the backs of shit right <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That's the classic phrase, standing on the shoulders of feces. Yeah. <laughs> standing <laughs> on the shoulders do. of a poop man. Um, okay, well, that's going to wrap that up. And I think that's going to wrap us up for today. We're going to be, yeah, we're going to be back. We're going to be doing our thing. Season two, it's going to be lit. We'll have guests. We'll have fun. We'll do lots of stuff. But in the meantime, Forrest, where can the people find more of you and your shit out there on the internet? Well, you should go check out my Twitter at DoNots, and you should also go to at Crystal Catalog on Twitter and check out my other video game podcast. It's my podcast I'm always on where we talk about Final Fantasy games. Listen to me and Joe talk about them all. It's true. They talk about them all. It's good. It's good shit. Uh, Griffin, what do you got to plug this week? Uh, nothing. Thank you for coming in. Nobody yell me. It was a sold out show. Our Heard first of the things. new year. We're very excited. Keep on coming down to that. Uh, we've already got uh, we got Paige Weldon uh, for next month, and uh, we're currently fending off offers with a stick. So, um, yeah, slide into our DMs. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, OK. And for me, uh, we have Party World Wrestling presents Rawhide Rave. It's on March 14th. If you want a really cool shirt or a cool candle or a cool tank top, or I think there's a bandana and other shit like that, go to igg.me slash at slash rawhide rave. It's going to be fucking super sweet. You can watch it on twitch.tv slash party world wrestling. 
Um, and you can also check out the new Wisecrack show, Good, the Bad, the Brilliant, which I'm really excited about, which is a new thing. Friend of the pod, Sam Brown, was on our re- recent Sonic episode, so check that out. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm only going to plug my Twitter occasionally, but today I'm going to do it because I changed my at. My at is no longer ML Surfboard. It's at tail underscore boy, B-O-I, because I was born with a tail. Also, check out producer Haley's Instagram and YouTube at Eat Every Sound. It whips ass. Now's the end of the show. My name is Lux. I'm your host, your co-host, Griffin Davis. Your guest is Forrest Walker. Your editor and producer is Haley Clement. Your interaction is Matthew Moore. Your ours is Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Gotta go fast.